welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor James Centeno. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit inthelight.church. So I, I got something I want to share with you today. Uh, hopefully this will make sense as I move forward. But the title of this message is To the Trinity and Beyond. So Sensha mentioned in, in, uh, about Valentine's Day, and I was just thinking about um, a Valentine's moment in my life. This was when I was in high school, and there was a young lady that was, I guess, looking to woo me on that day. And uh, anyway, I go, I go to school, and in my locker, there are like all this stuff in, in, in my locker uh, that was a Valentine's Day from sort of anonymous person. I kind of knew who it was. It was the first time I had something like that, by the way. That never happens. So the fact that that happened, it was like, whoa, this is, I felt really bad because I didn't really get any, that person anything. It was like, it was just like a one-way type of deal. They thought about it. Um, and so I had to scramble, you know, throughout the school day trying to find a way just to say, you know, I appreciate you. Um, so, yeah, I, I, got, I had all this stuff, and it actually made me blush. Have, has that ever happened to you? Like somebody just, oh, like they were just so passionate about who you were. They just overindulged you. It was one of those moments where the, the, the passion was obvious and the excessiveness of the passion and, and whatever that they were looking to communicate came through with all those gifts that I got during that time. So I want, I want you to think about how would you go about showing your passion to something or someone you really care about? As you're thinking about that, I want to share with you a theological concept. But I want to show you in that concept the reality that it's more about God's passion for you than just a theological concept. So God is, the, is a triune God, meaning he is three in one. Three distinct aspects wrapped up in one. Three gods, but really just one God. All right. That's, a, that's, that's one of those things that, you know, they get to talking about and teaching you about. And, and for some religions, this is sacrilegious. They will debate you against that. But we... Take it in faith that God is a triune God. He's three gods in one. He's the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Ghost. It's easy in some scriptures to, to, to see this. In the baptism of Jesus, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. When He gets baptized, you, you see it right there. You see the Trinity. You see as the Father speaks, it says, this is my Son, who I'm well pleased. It says the Holy Spirit came down as a dove, and there's Jesus. All three of them, but all distinct, but all one. In Genesis 1, 1 through 3, we're going back to that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was about without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
two of those things are obvious. Two, so you see the spirit there, right? Spirit hovering, God, but Jesus is there as well. Not as easy to see, but it's right there when God spoke a word. How do you know? Go over to John 1, and here's another origins, another beginning, if you will. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, but the word was also God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, this word. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Colossians 1, 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Who are they talking about there? Talking about Jesus. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So I just want to suggest to you, as we were reading John, I mean Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning was God, we see God there, and the Spirit was there, but Jesus was there as well. When he spoke a word that in him and through him all things were created. And Jesus is the reason for creation. And Jesus even acknowledges himself later on. I am the light of the world. So God is a triune God. And, and then there's ways that we look to explain it in a way that people can get it. Um, they'll tell you to understand this theological concept of having uh, the Trinity and a, a triune God. is It's like an egg. And an egg has, it's one, but it's three. An egg has a shell, an egg has the white, and the egg has a yolk. Three distinct things, but all one egg. So they, they're like, okay, that's, that's a way to understand how the Trinity works. They also say, another way to understand it is like, think about water. Here are three distinct qualities of water, whether it's steam, whether it's the liquid form, or it's in the solid form, but they're all water. So it's like, that's a way that you can bring it around and you can um, begin to perceive and understand how this three-in-one works. I, guess I just want to gloss over that just to give you that, but here's what I believe. So we've, we've I think, settled on having this triune God as uh, just a theological concept for you to understand and maybe observe and acknowledge, right? But here's what I want to present to you this morning. I think there's certain things that we have been observing that we should be experiencing because the experience of it is a lot more weighty than the observation of it. That we have taken this theological concept of God being, he's the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Ghost. And we've just been observing it and dissecting it and presenting it. I believe it's a picture 
of God being a triune God, it's a picture of how passionate God is for you and I. That the Trinity is more about passion, wild passion, desire and longing for you and I, like Valentine's embellishment on you. It's more about that than just something to fill up our brains with and talk about and seem like we're smart. God is, I think, calling us into an experience of him. Because just to have God and God by himself, there's some things that might be lacking. But the fact that he distinguishes himself and, if you will, breaks, him, breaks himself down in three different elements in three different ways and still gives himself to us is part of his passion and part of his desire for us. So what I want to do, I believe this, this, this trinity is an invitation to intimacy. That is just not God, but it's Jesus. It's, he's with us. He's not just with us. He's, he's the Holy Spirit. He's like, oh, now he's getting in me. And not just around me. And not just a theory and this big old creator out there. But I believe the Trinity is an invitation to intimacy. And it, it, it is a picture of his passion for you and I. It doesn't say, look and see that God is good. Look, observe. God is so good. And see, that's where a lot of people get it, and that's why a bunch of people will yawn in church, and, and they don't really get the, the excitement of our worship and, and where we're going with that because they haven't tasted and seen that God is good and tasting, unlike looking, tasting is intimate. Tasting, there's something involved. There's something getting inside of you at that point. It's not just an observation. It's just like a scientific deduction. It is like I'm putting and I'm allowing something to be inside of me. And I am, I, I, I am what I eat. You are what you eat. So he says, I'm inviting you to taste of me, just not to hear about me, just not to look at me, but I, I, I want it a little bit more. I, I, want, I want it at a different level, y'all. God is saying, I want this at another level, and I am so passionate about this. I am so wanting this, that for me to stay in only my God form, there's some things that you would never be able to get to. But the fact that I put myself in the flesh... Woo, you got more access. Wait for the Spirit. Because when the Spirit and you taste of that and you experience me in that way, man, it gives you the fullness. It gives you access. It helps you in your time of need. It comforts you in that time of trial. Well, I'm good in the flesh and I'm holy as a God, but I'm so intimate and I indwell in you as the Spirit. That's a Valentine's Day gift, y'all. That's something singles should get excited about as well. That you can have him. You can have him and he invites you into that place in him. Amazing. See, let's just look at it as his, the passion that Jesus has for you, or the passion that God has for you, has levels. 
and he wants to he wants you to experience it, but there, there's levels to it. And let's just look at these levels as God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Let's just look at those different intimacy levels in those with those titles, if you will. So if you think about with he's calling us into an experience. He's calling us into experiencing him, not just observing him, but to taste and see and experience in him. We experience God in worship. We, some of us just experience him at the God level. And that's good. I mean, right? It, in that intimate reality of him being God and being holy, I mean, that hands get lifted. You, you realize something awesome. And so in your worship, it could be at the God level where you recognize him as holy. And, but at a Jesus level, it's, it's uh, a little deeper. There's something more deeper that you, when you recognize it at a Jesus level because Jesus, you recognize he was humble. So there, there's, there's a holy God, but then there's Jesus, and that's a humble God. He is humble enough to serve us. He's humble enough to come in our flesh, come in our frailty. And when you recognize at the Jesus level where holy God is like lift my hands, when you recognize he is a humble God, and that's, we see that in worship and we're, we're adoring Jesus, it can result in like a bended knee. But man, the Holy Spirit, that's a whole other level, y'all. Some of us know. This is what God is inviting you into. He's inviting you to a level that can be too intimate for some of us. But he is passionate about it. He is passionate by not just giving you, not just giving you, like, creation. It's awesome, right? That's another thing. There's a God level. There's God levels to how we just do life, right? You know, or, or I'm sorry, intimacy levels on how we do life. We go about life, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I believe in God. That's great because God is good for the mind. God is mind-blowing. You look at a creation, it's like, yeah, there's a God, and I get that, and and, and so your life, you're, again, you're cognizant in your mind. God is, God just he blows your mind. You're thinking about God and all that stuff. That's great. But then there's a, another part. He just doesn't want to blow your mind. He wants to open your heart. And so that's Jesus level. The Jesus level is when it gets into the heart. It's like, no, I, I love him. I love him. I love, I, I love God, and, and, and I'm expressing that in my life. And and. But then there's also a deeper level, and it's the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going around, and I got a cute bumper sticker on my car. And, you know, I go to church on Sundays. You know, I, I know a couple Bible verses, and, you know, I, I volunteer at the church, and that's all good. But there's a deeper level. He's calling you into the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the indwelling. It's not like a little heart palpitation only. It's not like, God, you just blow my mind. I love to learn about you. This is like, God, I, ooh, you, you dwell. 
inside of me, and as you're dwelling inside of me, and I have this Holy Spirit, it's prompting me to do things I don't naturally do all by myself. It's, it's causing me to say things and, 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 and respond in a certain way, and all of a sudden, something's bubbling up. What's that? The Holy Spirit giving you some words to encourage or words that you were not aware of before for that person's life, and then you're compelled because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. It's not just like, oh, God bless them. I just pray for them. It's like, no, I want to lay hands on them because there's something inside of me. There's a fire in my bones, and there's a, something to the, that's happened inside. I got to do something more. So in your life, you can see at what level you are with the Trinity. The Trinity is an invitation to intimacy, to Trinity and beyond. That's a passionate God. That's wild. That's not just passion. That's wild passion. He is so passionate that he is like thinking of what, like, remember when I asked you to think about what would you do to demonstrate how passionate you are about somebody? <laughs> That's God. He's like, I'm so passionate about you that I just can't stay like heaven. I want to bring heaven to earth and I'm going to show you in every means and every way possible that I am trying to be with you and in you and through you and us together. So you're able to overcome and do all things through me. Here's a wild passion verse that I don't know if you, you've ever read before and associated with wild passion, but check it out. It is actually at the end of the Bible in Revelations 13, 8. And I just want to focus on this one portion of it, not the whole thing. So um, it's this one portion that you, you could throw it up there. I just want you to see that it says, the lamb was slain. From the foundations of the world. It talks about the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. There it is. Look at that. The lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Who was the lamb that was slain? I'm giving you like easy, like easy things to answer, by the way. This is stuff that the super kids would get. And, and, that, and that's what we teach them, right? All our parents like... Whatever, whenever they ask a question, you just say Jesus, and you are about 50% right. You, that's usually the answer to everything that the teacher asks you. So the land that was slain from the foundation of the world. Here's what God does. Remember I had that sermon we talked about choice? That choice that he gives you one of the most powerful things. He gives us choice. Here's God. He's about to create the world. Creation is about to go into motion. He's going to speak all these things. But God is timeless. He's not in time. He's not binary. He's not like, all right, this happens and this happens. And I'm just, as it comes about, then I'm learning about it. No, no, God is timeless. He's, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. So he's seeing everything. He knows his, his omniscient, all, all knowing, all that stuff. So he, he gets it all, right? So here he is. He's about to create man. He is about to get these, his prize creation, choice. And now, it's not like he doesn't know what they're going to do with choice. He already knows that with their choice, they're going to reject him. With their choice, they're going to evil and all types of stuff that we hate to happen to us, it happens to people around the world, like sin is going to come as a result of what he is about to create. Now he has a choice. This is what they're going to do to me. 
this is what's going to be done when I create them. So before he even goes into creation, before he even he makes the choice, he has to die. He knows he's making the choice as soon, before the foundations are built. He's saying, I'm choosing to die. We think Jesus just died when we saw him on the cross. Not that scripture. It says, no, no. I died as soon as I decided to create all this. I had to die. And I had to measure whether it was worth it. You were worth it. And I'm so much more passionate about what we can be together and the possibilities of this love exchange than I am about what you're going to do to me as a result of your choice to reject me or not. So he dies for everybody, even those who reject him. There's people that are in your life that right now, think about it, because of what they did to you, because of what has happened that you've already experienced, the way they hurt you, the way they abused you, the way they did all that stuff. Now, if you were God, and you had to go back and change something up to say, oh, I would make sure I would have never met them. I would have made sure that I never dated them. I would have made sure that I never married them. I would have, never, I would have made sure that we never had kids. I would have made sure. Can we keep going on? Because if we would already experience and see the pain that they were going to cause us and the things that they were going to do to us, would you have chosen to have them exist? Do you see the God that we serve and the God that we love and the choice that he made? Listen, and by you choosing to say, yes, I will go through it, what are you choosing? You're choosing, I die in this moment. I'm choosing that something dies in me in order for me to allow that to happen. His passion is so wild. I, I just wanted to show you that because his passion is so wild for you. If basically, he is dying. He was dying for you to get here. You'll get it later. I don't know about you, but that should make you blush. He loves you enough to give you his Holy Spirit. He gives you everything you need. That's like, woo. Like, wow, I'm getting hot under the collar here. Like, my God. My question is, can you match his level of passion? He gives you access. He invites you into it. He doesn't make himself distant. He makes himself near. The Trinity is not just his way to you. The Trinity is your way to him. So I, I just want to show you just through Jacob's life, real quick, just take that character and show you how Jacob got there. Because, believe it or not, a lot of us are Jacob. We are Jacob. You know, in our birth circumstances, in the way that we live life, in the way that we've done faith, sometimes we don't realize it, but a lot of us are Jacob. And so here's Jacob, and uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of two. His brother, he was a twin. His older brother was Esau. He came after Esau. Esau had rights to the birthright. Um, Jacob is 
kind of connived his way. And got, well, he, he did some things to set it up so that Esau gave up his birthright to Jacob. And now he has his birthright and all that stuff. And, and now he leaves the home because of the tension that was happening in the home. And as he removes himself from the home to kind of go with the birthright and the blessing that he received from his father Isaac, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and shall be spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So this is Jacob. Jacob, upon leaving his house, I would call that a God-level intimacy moment. And God-level intimacy moments you're still Jacob, but you have, you're, you're with God. So Jacob at this point is like, okay, I'm with you, God. I'm with you. And a lot of us and a lot of people can reach that place, you know, pretty easily that you're at that God level. I'm with you, God. It's about me and you, God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm about serving you, God. And so we do that through prayer life. So we the God level is I have a prayer life, I, I read my word, I, I come to church and all that stuff. So you, you do that and that's at that place you have visions and you have dreams and that's all good. God gives you those things. That's at the God level. So I'm with you, God. I'm with you. I'm about you, me and you together. Let's do this thing. So that's Jacob at that level. So Jacob goes and now he finds himself with his family and in Genesis 29 15, in his reunion with his family, with his uncle and, and, and his, uh, his uncle's daughters, is, then it says, after he's with them, it says, then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what your wages would be. So I simply show you that to show you this. There's a God level that Jacob starts at where I'm with you, God. I'm with you. There's a prayer life, there's a word life, there's a fellowship life. There's all the stuff that we do to show that I am with God. Um, but then there's a deeper level, and that's the Jesus level. We're going a little deeper, and the Jesus level is I'm, 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 I'm looking to serve. I want to be like you. I'm not just with you. I want to be like you. Jesus, being like God, demonstrates he's like God by his servanthood. I'm serving others now. I could be at the God level, but the God level still could be self-seeking. I'm with God, but I don't need nobody else. Right? 
I'm, I got dreams. I got visions. I got things that show. That's great. That's great. You're at the God level. You're still Jacob, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, so, and then, and then the Jesus level is where I'm serving others. And then you see that there because he says, hey, you're serving, but you're not getting paid anything. I, I, I want to I bless you because you're such a, you're a servant. And, and you, so I'm, I want to set you up. But Jacob came with the posture of I'm just going to serve. That's who Jesus is. At the Jesus level, he is a suffering servant. He's a servant. It's like I'm becoming like God now. I'm not just with God. I'm becoming like him, and it's demonstrated in how I serve others selflessly, which Jesus was. Are you following me? Are we still like I'm with God? I'm good with God. But are you serving others because that's what God is up to? That's a little deeper. Because that's taking time. It might mean doing some things that you might think are beneath you, but that's what Jesus is. Jesus is God, but putting himself beneath. And so we, we see God doing it. So like, oh, yeah, I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to care. I'm going to help people. I'm going to get involved. That, that's a level of intimacy that is scary for a lot of people. But again, if you're, so, if you're passionate about God, you're going to have to get passionate about Jesus. You get passionate about what he does. It just begins to be like, I, be, I like him. And so I'm going to become like him. When you're with people for a long time, see, like when you get married, first it's like, I'm with you. We're with each other. But when we start really loving and coming alongside and we're really like into each other and, and, and working through some things, eventually you become like that person that you're with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you all of a sudden, you have the characteristics of the person that you're with because you love them so much. And there's things that just spill over from you that's on them. Hopefully, it's the good stuff. <laughs> but some people are just like, you know, it's kind of like married but sleeping in two different beds. That's like the God level. Like you're just, you're just, you're, you're, you're in the same house, but you're not really, there's not an intimacy that allows you to become like them. Jesus is a little bit deeper in that, le that level. And you're seeing that happening with Jacob. Now he's beginning to serve. And so there's something a little deeper with his relationship that is shown through his servanthood. He's at the Jesus level. Holy Spirit level. This is in Genesis 32. It's a little long here, but let me read it to you so you get this. This is after now Jacob is married to Rachel and Leah. There's a whole soap opera with that, but I won't get into it. They, they, they move out of their uncle's house. On their way, he's looking to get land. He's becoming rich. He's becoming prosperous. He has everything that anybody would almost want, but there's still something going on within Jake and Jacob that he is not whole, even though he's at the God level of intimacy, even though he got down to the Jesus level of intimacy. There's still some ache. There's still something missing, and he knows that. He, he's still able to connive, even though he is, even though he is prosperous and things are happening in his life. Don't be deceived at the illusion of riches that people are really what they say they are, or as deep with God as they say they are. So, so look. So it says in Genesis 32, 20, 22, starting that. That same night. He arose, Jacob, and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children across the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. So he separates himself from the family. He's like, I'm, I need to 
this is something I got to do over here. This is something I need to separate myself from everything I'm associated with because this is real deep and this is real personal. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. I like how it says it in one translation. It capitalizes the man to show there's something angelic or heavenly about this man. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you should ask my name? And there he blessed him. Verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the, na the place Penuel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Then the, ro the sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. He has the moment where he first leaves the house. This is Jacob. He has a God moment. He gets to the God level. I'm with you, God. He gets to the Jesus level. I'm serving like him. I'm like you, God. But in this moment, when he has this experience, what he's looking for and what he goes into, he can no longer be called the same name that he was before. I'm not longer just Jacob, but I just got, you just got touched. I just didn't have a dream. I got touched. I didn't just kind of like act like, I'm a Christian. I just got touched. So Jacob is at a place where he turns into Israel where it's the Holy Spirit level. And the Holy Spirit level is I exist. I exist because of you. I'm just not with you. I'm not just here to serve God by myself. I'm not. It, it, yeah, I'm serving others. But when you get to the Holy Spirit level, what you begin to experience is God serving me. <laughs> God serves me. God loves me. God touches me in a way that causes me never to walk the same. So you can tell. You can tell. You can tell. Because there's some people, you still walk the same. Yeah, yeah. I know you got God. I know you know who Jesus is, but you still walk the same. You haven't gotten that deep and to that level of the Holy Spirit. Now you're walking with a whole new swag. Now you look strange because of what you do. You, you look strange. You don't look like you belong on this earth. You look strange because you've gotten to that level. Jacob gets to the level where he is no longer. See, let me say it like this. You will either live like Jacob or you will limp like Israel. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you got to make the choice. You can live like Jacob, but your name is still deceiver. It's still manipulator. It's, it's still get over. You, you, you can do that. But there's a depth in what the Trinity has to offer and who God is, that when you get to that place, y'all, people are like, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? You're single and you're just keeping yourself pure? That's strange, right? 
because everybody else is walking like Jacob and living like Jacob. And everyone else is deceiving their way around the things. And yeah, I got God, I got Jesus, but you, you're a little deceptive. It's, it's, it's when you start to get touched by the Spirit of God and you become Israel, that all those stuff that happened in your past that you in your own human ability could not reconcile, now you become Israel and then God deals with it. You come limping over to your strange family member or enemies in your life and God handles what you couldn't handle. He brings you peace and he brings reconciliation to the things in your past. I know, you, you, you limp differently. Israel has a limp, y'all. That's what I'm trying to say. Israel has a limp. You can live like Jacob, but you have, there's, the limp is evidence of intimacy. That's all it is. The world thinks it's strange. It's like, oh, you, you, you got it twisted. You got it twisted. Right? They, they'll, they'll get in time. See, I got so much I want to say, but I think I'm saying it again and again. Let, let me say it like this. Watch this. So here's, here's God making his way to us, right? Wanting to be intimate with us. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's doing it to all that. And look what God does. We, God wants to be close to us. And when he gets to us, what do we do? We make him bleed. We want to be close to God. He's going to make us limp. I don't know if you heard me. You want to touch. God says, here, I want you to touch me. I want you to love me. I want to. He puts himself in the form of Jesus, and he comes to you, and what do we do? What's the best we have to offer? We make him bleed. We put him on a cross. It's a sacrifice, y'all. Intimacy is going to take a sacrifice. It's an invitation to intimacy, but it's an invitation to sacrifice some things. And there's levels of sacrifice that come with God. There's levels of sacrifice that come with Jesus. There's a level of sacrifice that comes in the Holy Spirit. You're going to know that because you cannot try to hold on to God and try to get that breakthrough in your life and say, God, I don't care what leaves me. I don't care. I'm putting my wife, my children. I'm putting all this other stuff over here. From now on, I'm single. I'm coming to you as a single person, but in my singleness, I am still broken. I still have things in my past. Yeah, I know I had that dream of you in Bethel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I had that, that, that moment where I was serving in Laban's house, and you made me prosperous, but there is something still broken in me. And in my singleness, I, and basically, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I don't need just a father to bless me. I need my God to bless me. And I know I got a hold of something that I can't. I guess can't hold on to a little bit, but I'm holding on. That is intimate stuff. When you're wrestling somebody, I'm telling you, you're going to have to lift your hands at some point. I'm telling you, when you wrestle somebody, you're going to have to put your knee down at some point. I'm telling you, when you wrestle somebody, you have to move your feet at some point. When you wrestle somebody, it's going to take all of the triune aspects of who you are to make sure you get all of the blessing that God has to offer. He's calling us. He, he's... He is so passionate about us, but are we passionate about him? Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date on everything going on at In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia.